Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Porter. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Deacon Kevin Bertleff. We will also hear more information on the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. And today, as the Church celebrates the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. Catholic Charities is an important part of the life of the Church and her members. To share with us an important issue is Jennifer Lucarelli. With me today is Jennifer Lucarelli, who is a project manager for Catholic Charities. Jennifer, it's such a pleasure to have you back on Wineskins. Thank you, Father. It's, I'm happy to be here. You know, normally when you do come with us here on Wineskins, you kind of do a solo, but this is the first time that I'm actually talking with you back and forth, so it's, it's really a pleasure for me to have you on the show. And there's something very important that you want to share with us today, and it's a new resource guide. Tell us, first of all, what the guide is and how you came it about. The Community Resource Guide was a project brought by our new bishop, Bishop Bonner, in January of 2022. We started developing the project based on some templates that he brought over from the Diocese of Pittsburgh. They have a really good system and we wanted to sort of replicate that here in the Diocese of Youngstown. It took us about three months to gather all of the local community resources, organizations that provide the same sort of services that Catholic Charities does, but maybe with a broader reach, some of the services that we don't provide. A lot of our clients have very complex needs and issues and not everything can be addressed by Catholic Charities. So we wanted to be able to have a resource guide, not only for the clients, but for those providing services so they can direct our clients to those other resources in their communities. I'd like to talk a little bit more at length about this guide. How comprehensive is it? Like who exactly is it going to benefit? It's going to benefit everybody in the community, whether you're a mom looking for help for your kids, or maybe you need an extra supply of food for the month. Maybe you're looking for mental health services. Anybody within the six counties of the Diocese of Youngstown, whether you're in need or looking to provide services for somebody that you know or taking care of. We know that Catholic Charities basically is service-oriented. So this guide is basically service-oriented as well. Why is it important for us as a church to have something like this available. In what different arenas is this actual guide available? We have a print copy that we share with anybody in a position of service. So we share it with everybody within the Diocese of Youngstown, with our Catholic schools, a lot of local community service agencies. And then additionally, we have the entire guide in an electronic version on our website. It's updated annually, but any changes that come through during the course of the year, we can update those in a live format on the website as they happen. And that information is available to the community at large. And let's say someone wants to access this community resource guide, how do they do that electronically? They would just go to our website, www.ccdoy. It lives under the locations page, or you can just do a search for community resource guide. We're going to give them that information towards the end of our talk again today, but I want to go back to you. 
you're a project manager. You do a lot of things behind the scene yes, for absolutely. Catholic Charities. Tell us some of the stuff you do and why is it important for you to do that? I've just always been somebody who likes to help other people. I'm one of those helpers. Whatever it is that I can do, I just enjoy doing that. I used to be a caregiver for uh, 10 years. So it's just another way of helping people in need. And I know that everything I do here behind the scenes is having an effect on our community and the people that need it. You know, Catholic Charities really relies on a lot of people, not just those who are paid services, but also volunteers. You obviously come in contact time to time with volunteers. What does that do for you and for your work in Catholic Charities, but also your ministry? It's just an inspiration to me. The level of loyalty that our volunteers have had, not only here at the diocesan offices, but in our agencies, we could not do the amount of work that we do without their support. Hundreds of hours worth of time and support from our volunteers. Let's go back to this community resource guide. We know that the inspiration came through our diocesan leadership, through the bishop. How would you encourage those entities, those people who are in need to use this? I think it's a first point of contact for somebody who's in need and doesn't necessarily know how to find the services they're looking for. The online guide is really easy to use in the sense that you start with the county where you live and then you drill down into the category of services that you really need. So if you're looking for food, we have a list of places in your county that provide food. So you could start there. If you're looking for mental health services or childcare, you can drill down into those specific needs in your county. And tell us again, Jennifer, how people can access this online. Just go to our website at www.ccdoy.org slash resource dash guide. Jennifer Lucarelli, Project Manager for Catholic Charities. Pleasure to have you back on Wineskins and to share a little bit more about what you do and who you are and the service you provide to so many people through Catholic Charities. Thank, Thank you very much. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Nativity of St. John the Baptist is celebrated on June 24th. To tell us more is Martha Coulter. She is from St. Jude Church in Columbiana. This solemn feast dates back to the fourth century, and at one time it was preceded by a day of fasting, as well as a mass for the vigil. In the Middle Ages, it was celebrated with three masses. St. Augustine and some other theologians saw something symbolic in the fact that St. John the Baptist was born in the summer, when the days are beginning to shorten, and Christ was born in the winter, when the days are gradually getting longer. The Revised Liturgy has restored the Vigil Mass in addition to the Mass for the Feast. In many Catholic countries, especially in Spain and Latin America, June 24th is a day of popular celebration. There are two themes in the Masses of the Vigil and the Feast based on the role of John the Baptist as a precursor of the Messiah. In the Latin version, the opening prayer for the Vigil refers to John as the one who prepared the way of salvation. And the prayer after communion says that John is a prophet who pointed out Christ the Lamb, sent to atone for the sins of the world. The preface of the Mass for the feast sums up the life and mission of John the Baptist. From all those born of women, God chose John to prepare the way of the Lord. He was indeed more than a prophet, 
because he not only preached repentance and conversion, but he actually pointed to Christ present in the midst of humankind. More than that, he baptized in the waters of the Jordan him who was the author of baptism. John's action as a prophet was heroic, even to the point of death. He was also humble in stating that he was not worthy to tie the strap of Christ's sandal. He did not make himself equal to Christ, as St. Augustine points out in the Office of Readings. John was a voice that lasted only for a time. Christ the Word in the beginning is eternal. There is a message here for us today. When so many Christians do not distinguish between tolerance and integrity of the faith, the words of Christ to John are also relevant. Blessed is the one who finds no stumbling block in me. The preface for the Mass reads, We praise your greatness as we honor the prophet who prepared the way before your son. You set John the Baptist apart from other men, marking him out with special favor. His birth brought great rejoicing. Even in the womb he leapt for joy, so near was man's salvation. You chose John the Baptist from all the prophets to show the world its Redeemer, the Lamb of Sacrifice. He baptized Christ, the giver of baptism, in waters made holy by the one who was baptized. You found John worthy of a martyr's death, his last and greatest act of witness to your son. Two months from now, the church will celebrate the beheading of St. John the Baptist, whose martyrdom is recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. The message of his feast is, first of all, that we should live our baptismal commitment for the rest of our lives. We have been reborn as children of God and heirs of heaven. Secondly, we should imitate the courage of St. John the Baptist by standing firm in our faith and resisting the temptation to compromise the gospel teaching. For Wineskins, I'm Martha Coulter. Joining me now is Deacon Kevin Bertleff. Welcome to Wineskins. Yeah, thank you so much, Father. You know, just a few short weeks ago, you ordained a deacon, what we call a transitional deacon. So hopefully in a year, you'll be called to priesthood, and we look forward to that. What we'd like to do now is just to have the folks get to know you a little bit better. So for the folks that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Kevin Bertleff. I grew up in Cortland, Ohio. My home parish is St. Robert Bellarmine, pastor's father, Kish. I went to Lakeview High School, graduated from Lakeview High School in 2002, and then I went on to get my bachelor's degree in sport management and business administration at Mount Union, uh, which was then Mount Union College. And then soon after graduation, I moved to North Carolina, uh, where I had a uh, career for just about 11 years uh, with a small business that uh, contracted with the PGA Tour. We did work specifically for mostly golf events, but some other professional sports events as well. We did signage and graphics and interior design, and some of the temporary structures. So I did that, did a lot of traveling, got to see a lot of the, a lot of the country and even out of the country. And then, yeah, then I, for the last couple of years before I entered the seminary, I was getting very active in a parish down in North Carolina and just started to really feel that the call to priesthood was praying a lot about it, sharing it with some of my close friends down there, and they were affirming it, and eventually met with the vocations director up here, mm -hmm. and just felt like the Lord was calling me to discern the priesthood for my home diocese and to come back home. It's a great story. I appreciate it. 
this idea of a call, you know, I think for us as ordained ministers, we struggle understanding fully that call because the call comes to us in all different ways, whether it's through another priest or through our family or through some experience that we have. Can you hone in on some of the elements of your call that brought you to this day? I think a big part of the call begins with prayer, right? So there's a dialogue with you know myself and God, like really asking God, what do you want from me? I think so often we spend a lot of our lives asking the question, well, what do I want to do? But when we shift that question and ask, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, a whole world of horizons begins to, to open up uh, as we ask God what he wants from us. Mm-hmm. And then as prayer begins to happen and we continue to open ourselves to open our hearts and our lives to God, then we have to invite other people in. Because mm-hmm. discernment, I've, I've learned very quickly in seminary, that discernment is, is never me and God. It's always a communal thing. So it's mm-hmm. always in connection with the church and with the people of God. So discovering and learning that affirmation and even sometimes critique from the people of God in all the different places I've served mm-hmm. can be a real good affirmation of the call. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a, a great process of discernment over the last almost six years now being in the seminary. And I love that idea of a communal aspect because, you know, if we look at that that is really who we are as Catholic Christians. Is It's all about community. It's all about gathering together uh, with one another. How influential have other people been, like your family and friends and coworkers? Yeah, very much so. I mean, a lot of priests have been super influential in my life, even those that I've only met recently at the seminary and part of my formation. Family and, and friends have certainly been influential. I remember when I was kind of made the decision to move forward with continued discernment at the seminary, mm-hmm. I met with a lot of my coworkers in North Carolina individually mm-hmm. and kind of shared where my heart was and, and what was going on. We had a really good environment of, there was a sense in the workplace that God was still centered. My mm-hmm. boss was influential in my own discernment because he was very much centered on keeping faith at the center of the workplace, which is unusual in today's world. So yeah, the meeting with each of my coworkers one-on-one just kind of affirmed that, Mm -hmm. you know, well, yeah, I could see you doing that. Or yeah, I could, you know, I could kind of see Mm -hmm. you being in that sort of ministry. So all of that affirmation was just kind of helpful as I was kind of, you know, still wondering what this was going to look like as I kind of left everything behind and left a career behind and my house behind to to enter into the seminary. You know, it's interesting, as you were talking, what really comes to mind is that the journey that you're on, the journey that we are all on, whether we're ordained ministers or looking at a vocation or discerning, whatever our call is, it's in unison with other people. You know, we just don't do it all on our own. Mm -hmm. We've got to listen to those other voices that are out there that kind of call us and encourage us and support us. And as you embark on this new ministry as a transitional deacon, looking forward to priesthood ordination, you will journey with other people. Why is it important for you to kind of walk hand in hand with those people on this journey? I mean, it's important because it's one, what the Lord has called me to, but also what the Lord is our example in terms of of what that looks like. You know, deacons are called to a ministry of service, Mm -hmm. service at the altar, and of course, service to the entire people of God in the church community. So yeah, it's important to me to be united with the Lord in a very intimate way through sacred orders, through through ordination to diaconate to be able to serve the people in a new and exciting way. Yeah, I'm excited to be able to get my hands and feet dirty in terms of what the ministry looks like, to learn from the people, 
there's so much to be gained from the vocations of the, the people of God in the parish as well. Several months ago, you and your classmates had an opportunity to go to Rome, and you met with the Holy Father. Tell us briefly about that experience. Oh, it was it was just a, a graced moment. I mean, the, the, obviously meeting the Holy Father was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He was in a very good spirits, smiling the whole time, a very jovial, made a couple jokes in his dialogue with us, and we all got to meet him individually. So yeah, still unpacking the graces from, from that experience. And then Rome, this was my first pilgrimage to Rome. So just to see all of the, just the connections and the saints and just to be walking on the streets of a place where so many that have gone before us have walked and have ministered and have really preached the gospel by their lives. And so to, yeah, to be a part of that was amazing. And what would you like briefly to tell the folks that are with us about yourself in this new role as a transitional deacon? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, I would ask for prayers to continue to pray for me, and I will continue to pray for you, just to know that, you know, we're always in this together. As church, we are always, we are never individuals. We are always a collective whole. We are always in communion with each other and with Christ. Well, Deacon Kevin Bertleff, we certainly appreciate your presence on Wineskins. We look forward to your subsequent ordination as a priest in a year, but we want you to enjoy this time as a deacon as you serve God at the altar, at other events, in any parish that you will serve. And we thank you for your vocation, for your ministry. It's a very heartening to see young men answering the call to the priesthood. And we ask those who are listening to continue to pray for more vocations to the priesthood and religious life, that more will listen to that call and respond graciously. So thank you. Thank you so much, Father. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more pertinent information and to listen to Wineskins, visit www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. The annual Diocesan Appeal, One in Hope, One in Mission, is the primary activity of raising funds to help the clients of Catholic Charities throughout the Diocese of Youngstown, as well as supporting the many ministries and activities of our Diocesan Church. This year's goal is $4 million. While that seems like a very vast amount, it is an attainable goal when everyone throughout our Diocesan community recognizes the way in which God has blessed them and offers whatever resources possible, coming from all of our parishes across our six counties, to truly be a people of charity, a people of hope, a people of mission. I thank you for your gift to the annual appeal, and I hope that together we might all continue to be one in hope and one in mission, building up the life of the church and building up the presence of Christ for all in need. God bless you. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD called His Sacred Heart. It is by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir.
Never gonna let me 
As we celebrate this 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Father Chad Johnson. He is the Vocation Director for the Diocese of Youngstown. Our Gospel reading for this, the 11th Sunday of Ordinary Time, is a reminder of the importance of evangelization in the life of any Christian. However, many of us feel uncomfortable with the idea of evangelizing, perhaps due to a perception that it involves knocking on a stranger's door and telling them about Jesus. Yet evangelization is not always so formal, and we have many, many opportunities to spread the good news in our daily lives. We can evangelize by offering a helping hand to someone in need and then sharing how we have been helped through the power of God. When someone asks us to pray for them, we can take that very moment to pray with them and share that moment of connection and faith. We can also invite someone to come to Mass or attend a church event with us, sharing the joy of our faith and the community of believers. However, in order to spread the light of Christ to others, we must first be able to see it shining in our own lives. We must strive to live our lives in a way that reflects the love, compassion, and mercy of Christ so that others may be drawn to him through us. Evangelization is not about forcing our beliefs on others, but about sharing that hope and that joy that we personally have found in Christ and inviting others to join us on this journey of faith. As Catholics, we are called to be missionary disciples, spreading the love of Christ to all those we encounter. This can be done in small ways through acts of kindness and invitations to prayer or worship. By embracing our role as evangelizers, we can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and help others to encounter the same transformative power of Christ's love that we ourselves have experienced. For Wineskins, I'm Father Chad Johnson. Have you ever prayed that God will bring resolution to a broken relationship only to find that your prayers for the other person's heart ended up changing your own heart toward that person instead? Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the Annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Porta, wishing you a beautiful week. We of Wineskins want to extend our prayers and blessings to all the dads on this Father's Day. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife cracked her up, she's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org, a message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.